and gentlemen, boys and girls. I'm the Gnarly Gnome. This is Scentsy Brewcast. It's the voice of Scentsy Craft, which just means it's a uh, it's an excuse for me to drink beer. That's really all it is. I tell you that every week. I, this is a craft beer podcast. We venture around Cincinnati to all of the tap rooms, all of the bars. We sit down with the owners, the brewers, the drinkers of Cincinnati craft beer. Um, this one is a long time coming. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Somewhere around four years trying to get out here and do a show. Well, I shouldn't say get out here and do a show because I did a show out here. I got tired of waiting, so I took I grabbed Andy Foltz and we came and we sat out here and drank beer and talked about you guys. <laughs> Isn't that right, Foltz? I, I blame Andy entirely. Uh, I blame Andy on everything that goes wrong or right in my life. That was hilarious. Uh, we are at Grainworks, if you guys have not figured that out by now. Um, again, we've been trying to put this together for a very long time, so I'm excited. And there's a ton a ton to talk about um let's run around the table i want all of you guys to introduce yourselves so people can hear your voice and know who is who uh, we'll start here with brian hey i'm brian mcginnis i am the co-founder the head janitor and sometime brewer here it was uh scott lafall it's a uh, tagline the uh the janitor yeast farmer well, he had a couple other yeah, tags he, that he put he on there he had a few <laughs> i may have taken some license from that um, I'm Brother James. I am the Manager of Sales and Education. And I'm Katie Albers. I'm the Southern Sales Rep for the Cincinnati area. Wonderful. And you guys, I assume that most of the people that listen to the show know you guys at this point. You guys have been around town, again, for a while now. <laughs> and uh, people people know what's going on and people are excited, especially watching some of the growth of Grainworks in the last couple of years. We're starting to see it more and more places. And um, uh, for somebody who's been a fan since since day one, I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see that. So we'll, we'll get into all of that, though. First, we need to drink a beer because um, anybody who knows uh, why you would start a craft beer podcast, it's because you want to drink beer. From beer so fridge. from the beer fridge, it's the name of the segment, even though it's not a beer fridge. Um, I, we should all talk about because we're all drinking different things, it looks like. Um, but I'm going to start first because I'm getting ready to take a sip of an Oktoberfest, <laughs> which if anybody knows me, knows how much I love Oktoberfest. I have to say, I'm in the middle of the big Oktoberfest quest right now. The quest for the best fest of Oktoberfest. Something like that. Um, and this one has not competed yet this year. It is sitting in my fridge waiting. Um, I don't know exactly who you guys are going up against. I think it might be Westside, maybe. Okay. Uh, it's going to be a very tough battle. Okay. This one surprised me. I don't mean that to be offensive. This caught me off guard how delicious it was last year. Um, so I'm excited. <laughs> I, I, we were all paying very close attention to what you did last year with that. And I was very excited to see us end up in like the top four. And I mean, that's, I was just happy with that. Oh, it's so good. I, it is the perfect beer style. And I, I love English milds and I love, you know, pilsners and uh, but there is something about oktoberfest that 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 multi kind of backbone but then the drinkability of it the, the just the slight sweetness should be slight sweetness if you're drinking your oktoberfest and it's too sweet you guys have done something wrong and i you know who i'm talking about <laughs> you know when you're that that place um, this is this is not this is this is perfect. You guys did a great job on it, and um, it's going to be really really tough this year trying to figure out what the best one is. <laughs> uh, yeah, Westside's is fantastic. It is. Yes. It is a great beer. Yeah, that's 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 delicious. Um, I think you just did. Uh, I can't remember. I I saw you do the fretboard versus. Uh, uh, fretboard was against. Is that Mad Tree? 
Yes. Both yes. Of those were really good too. Yeah. The, the the first one was really tough. I did um, Braxton was up against Sam Adams, and that was way harder than I thought it was going to be. Sam Adams always catches me off guard how great it is, yeah. and I'm kind of cheating calling that one a local Oktoberfest. I think that all that they're making in Cincinnati at this point is truly and and the twisted tea stuff, but. Their local brewery, I'll count them. <laughs> well, and, and, and I honestly feel that all the investment they've made in the community and, and, and actually trying to be part of the brewing community here and their brewers embracing the other brewing yeah. community here, I think they deserve to be considered part of the local, even if that specific beer isn't made here. And they're doing some really neat stuff with the tap room. So well, I think it, they deserve all of that. And they do a couple Oktoberfests that are in the tap room only. They had like a, a double Oktoberfest last year that was really great and some kind of. I think they had some kind of barrel aged one too. That it, is might, an, it might have been a Bach that was barrel aged. I get them, I get them mixed up sometimes, but that is a really neat little system, really and they cool do amazing stuff. stuff with it. It's like a spaceship. <laughs> <laughs> I think it. I think it can brew beer and do your laundry and make you lunch at the same time. <laughs> I think there's <laughs> buttons for all of that on that brew system. Um, what are you guys drinking? Uh, I have our uh, kind of flagship IPA, uh, one of our flagship IPAs, uh, Sunrise. Um, so it's. Uh, I, I don't, you know, nowadays you're either New England or you're West Coast. It's not really either of those. Um, so it's more along the lines of, uh, let's say, main beers uh, lunch, right? So it's using some of those older, uh, you know, more uh, grapefruity, you know, hops, uh, uh, Centennial, Simcoe, Amarillo. Um, it's not using any of the new school tropical stuff. So it has the more citrus uh, flavor to it, but it's not super bitter like, you know, like a Stone IPA or, you know, anything like that. So. Uh, it, uh, it's it's pretty balanced. I was going for balance with it. So. Midwest IPA. <laughs> I guess. I don't know, man. I've had so many I, I of those that, that are so caramel much. bombs, too. Like, uh, yeah. I hate uh, all those made-up styles that we're coming up with now trying to describe stuff. It's, yeah. it's an IPA. It's, yeah, it's, it is a solid, everyday drinking IPA. It's not one of those beers that um, you drink, you know, six ounces of it and you feel full and you're just you're done with it yep. it's one of those beers that you can just kind of keep it's away. it's not that and on the other side of it you know so that would be a heavier ipa on the other side of it it's not a, an overly bitter ipa where after you've had one or two you want to brush your tongue you know you don't have that like you have with the overly bitter ones and and so we struggle in the sales side to describe it to folks in a way that they get it without even tasting it you know but then not try to say it's something different because honestly it's right down the center of the style guidelines it's it's you know it's right down the center right. but that doesn't mean it's mediocre i think it's it's outstanding because of that balance well that's the you know i i i give a lot of shit to some of these beer competitions that are out there that are studged you know, judged on style guidelines where you're trying to make the the perfect right down the middle ipa or the right right down the middle half of or or whatever it may be because that already exists, <laughs> you know? So it's like when you're trying, you, you spend so much time trying to describe this and trying to achieve it and trying to compare it to it. It's like, it's already, it's already there. You have to, you, you have to have this, this other thing that makes people want it. And to me, taking an IPA and said, this is, this is the beer that you just want to drink all day. <laughs> That's all I need to know. I don't have to, you don't have to say, oh, well, this is, you know, this is like this beer or that beer, or it's not this beer. Or it's not that beer. It's just, I, this is what I want to drink all day when I want an IPA. I, I think we've come so far afield with the IPA because the IPA is such a popular category and people have done so many different things with it to try to make it stand out and be unique. We've come so far that going back to the basics <laughs> with it and just nailing what it 
started out as as an American IPA. I mean, it makes people go, wow. I, it, I, I hear all the time, Katie hears this all the time when we're out doing samplings. Um, I don't like IPAs. Well, do me a favor, just taste <laughs> this. And you wouldn't believe 60, 70% of the people that we will give them a sample and they're like, well, wait, wait, why do I like this but I don't like IPAs? And I'm like, well, it's probably you don't like bitter IPAs or overly bitter IPAs because probably one of your friends down the road, you know, like, you know, a couple years ago, who really likes bitter stuff handed you something that was really big, a super big bitter bomb just to see your face. And then all your friends <laughs> laugh and you're like, Oh, I hate you guys. Oh, I don't like IPAs. And that's what you thought for all this time because that's what was available or that's what people were trying to feed you. But if you actually had had something that was balanced and right down the right. center, you realize, man, there's a lot more there when the bitter isn't covering all those nuances, all those flavors that, and the aromas that come out. Uh, and not to take away from those big giant bitter IPAs, if that's what you Ruination. want to drink, either. it's delicious. <laughs> I, by the way. And, and I love Ruination, exactly. <laughs> you know, it, I was—I think I've told this story on the show before, but um, I was at a bar one time, and there was a guy that came up to the bar and ordered a—it was a beer bar—and ordered a flight of of all the IPAs. That's what he wanted. He went, "I want to try all the IPAs." And so the bartender's pouring a bunch, and he picks up the first one. He drinks it. He's like, "Oh, oh, this is bitter. There's something wrong with this." And she's like, what? And he's like, yeah, I, I wanted an IPA. And she's like, well, that, you know, that is an IPA. That's, you know, that was, that's stone ruin, whatever it was, you know? Yep. And he's like, no, they're, you know, they're, they're usually real fruity and light. And like, oh, you know, you, you want New England IPAs. That's a whole different thing. And like, I, IPA has just become this. Uh, Broad category. IPA doesn't mean anything anymore. Yeah. <laughs> when, you know, you've got stuff like this, that is, that's an IPA. And well, that brings me to what happened to me at the last few fests we've been at. Th th there's a lot of really interesting hazies out there, and a lot, and people are doing a lot of really interesting things with the category in general. But my biggest problem I've had is I've gone to too many booths and found something that said it was an IPA, and I want this. Right. What 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 he has there? It didn't say it was a hazy. Didn't say it was a juicy. So I see IPA and I don't see any description that says it's right. juicy or hazy. And they even mentioned some maybe piney or resiny notes. So I'm like, oh, okay. And I get it. And it's very hazy and it's entirely not a regular IPA. It is a hazy. It is a New England, whatever you want to call it. And I'm like, you didn't call it that. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't pay for this because I would have sent it back right. and I would have been really mad. And I'm getting tired of certain breweries who are not labeling those as that. They're just calling them IPA in general because they're not. They're not a standard American IPA, and, and we try to make that distinction. Well, I, you know, I, I hate style in general because I feel like it just leaves it leaves you with this this expectation. I I like the descriptions of things. I an IPA is the perfect example of it. I don't want to know that you have an IPA. I want to know specifically what does this taste? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> is this how is this on a bitterness uh, scale? And I don't need to know IBUs. I want to know just when you taste this, how bitter is it? <laughs> right. Want, is it is it fruity? Is it piney? Is it uh, citrusy? You know, just tell me tell me what you think this beer tastes like, and that's all I need to know. Don't tell me anything else. Just tell me what it tastes like, and then I can decide. Yeah, I mean, it, it's such a polarizing style as it is. Certain people love very certain things about it so right. why not give the audience as much as they need to make a decision on making that purchase right you know again i didn't make purchases of these i was at a festival and it was you know i already paid by admission so i just got a taster but had i not right. had i gone to a restaurant 
I would have hate to have had said, you didn't tell me this was a hazy. Well, in restaurants, that opens a whole other can of worms of them telling you something is something that it is not. <laughs> but we could, that, that's a whole big rabbit hole we could go down. What are you drinking? <laughs> I, am, I am actually drinking our Scottish Mists. It is our Scottish ale. Specifically, if you want to go BJCP style, it's the Scottish Export Ale. Because there's the Scottish Light, Scottish Heavy, and the Scottish Export. So, so it's is that based on just strength alcohol wise or is there more to there's a little more to it in, in the color um in and in, in how caramely it is uh, how toasty it is versus the light and the and the heavy but um the export is just like the, a little more than both of those if you look at the style guidelines um and i think i don't think the alcohol is that much more um but it's just a little r- richer version of, of the three if you look at the three guidelines and honestly this is this is an amazing beer um i, I i'm gonna sound incredibly biased this entire <laughs> podcast because I, to. <laughs> I absolutely love everything we do um that's the reason i work here but um i really like this and it it was something that came out in the fall well it's it's to me it's uh, we we always do a couple different camping trips every year and one of them is our fall camping trip and I that I love that one not just because the weather is starting to cool down and it's it's better camping but the things you can stock in a cooler to go camping yeah. <laughs> is just so perfect and this is one of those beers that you throw in a cooler and sit around a campfire with it and it is it's it just fits that situation perfect for it, me it fits it perfectly and we won a medal at the US Open last year and so I guess that happened in November and so we got the medal in December. And after that happened, we had so many people asking for it as our season of it's a seasonal as our season was ending. So Brian and I put our heads together and we said, well, why don't we go all year round with it? And, you know, we'll see if that works and if it sells enough and it's been selling and we can keep it as a year round. We're doing only cans in the fall. Right. And frankly, I didn't know that I would want this in the middle of summer. And I love this in the middle of summer. <laughs> I have no problem with it. I should have known because I also love our rusty bumper, our brown ale, in the middle of summer. Right. Uh, the name, Scottish Mists, um, it, it's an abbreviation. That's a Brian story. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Mists, yeah, it's an acronym. Uh, men in skirts throwing shit. Um, so I made this originally as a homebrew for uh, my friend's uh, Highland Games party uh, that, uh, that he would throw every October. Um, he used to claim that he would read the farmer's almanac to pick which Saturday and, (laughs) uh, and, uh, you know, it would never get rained out and it's, I don't think it ever has been rained out in, uh, in 19 years. Um, I think this year is going to be the 20th year. Um, so yeah, uh, I, I got invited, uh, to this party, uh, by friends of friends and, uh, they, I got the official, uh, kind of <laughs> they were kind of sending scrolls out at one point for it. <laughs> now he just sends emails because there are so many people that come. Like That's it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, I, I, I made it for that party. Uh, people liked it. I liked it. Um, and then last year, or was it last year or the year before we switched the, we switched the, the label. Was it this past year? Yeah. This yeah. past year. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, so we had it, we had it out, uh, right around our, our anniversary as we do in, in September and we held it, uh, for, uh, Sunday, uh, afternoon, uh, um, because my friend was actually coming up. He thought that he was going to be volunteering up here. Uh, but we didn't really need any volunteers on the, on the Sunday of anniversary. And so he came up and, uh, we had changed the can label to actually have a, uh, kind of kind of pictures of him throwing a stone with a beer in his hand on the actual label. Uh, so we had a, a mutual friend uh, kind of 
Yeah, yeah, there it is. That's fantastic. Yeah, you, you viewers can see this. Oh, <laughs> if I remember, I'll put it in the show notes. Although, I don't think you can see pictures and show notes in your podcast app. You have to actually go to the website and look at the show notes there, but I'll put it in there. Yeah, so uh, that's a that's a pretty good uh, caricature of, of, of KT, so uh, we wanted to get that on the label, so... <laughs> It it definitely reminds me of lots of parties that I've I've had over the years growing <laughs> up, and um, we uh, when we were a little bit younger, every year we would throw one big party every summer a different theme though every year it would be you know a, a toga party one year and you know we did we did a uh, a beer fest one year so we did kind of like the beer Olympics where you had different events and we had judges going around and keep it it was ended up very bad <laughs> but, but they were just were always such fun parties and you know create those those memories that um i guess it's lucky if you've got a friend that can memorialize it on a uh, beer can <laughs> yeah, yeah he was ecstatic when he came in yeah, yeah, he, was, he was happy and then uh, i think it was was it's his wife she was like you're not that buff <laughs> <laughs> He's kind of buff in the drawing. All right. Well, you always should be. <laughs> what are you drinking? So I have our new Misty Mountains uh, Double Dry Hopped Imperial IPA. I know Ooh. it's a little bit of a mouthful, but it's absolutely incredible. It just came out last week, I believe. Um, and as compared to Brian's, it's got more of those fruitier notes in there. Absolutely incredibly delicious. I'm kind of addicted to it. So is it... <laughs> lean into kind of the, the, the fruity kind of New England vibe or is it big imperial kind of bitter slappy in the face kind of IPA? It's definitely more of that New England vibe I would say. It's got notes of passion fruit and guava in addition to um, you know the grapefruit and mango and pineapple flavors that we have in uh, some of our other IPAs. Sounds delicious. <laughs> <laughs> it is. <laughs> All right so let's Let's start the story from the beginning, since this is our first official show here. How did this happen? How did you end up uh, starting a brewery in, in Westchester? Start start from the beginning. How did you start making beer? Let's start there. Oh, how did I start making beer? Uh, so I had a friend that worked in uh, the QA department at Sam Adams in the mid-2000s. Um, and we may have been able to get some free beer out of that. Um <laughs> But, uh, you know, basically he, that, you know, there were 23, 25 styles that they were making in Cincinnati at that point. So I got to try a bunch of different things. And um, at the time I was drinking uh, such uh, lovely craft beers as um, Guinness, which, you know, that's my kind of part of my last name. So I kind of have to have to drink that. I still drink that to this day. Uh, you know, maybe Killian's and uh, little little uh, J.W. Dundee's uh, Honey Brown. Mm. Well, I mean, there there wasn't you know, mid two thousands. There was great craft beer happening in the country, but yep. like, here in town, it still hadn't yeah, really here. caught on yeah. yet. Yeah, People, not much. I mean, we had you know the nut brown, um, Mount the Carmel. nut brown growlers or whatever. Um, they were, the, they that were was great. that was pretty much it. You know, Listerman I think had just started maybe doing some bottles of stuff around that time, but. Uh, it was it was it was a, a, a desert here of craft beer. Yeah, you had Sam Adams down there cranking out tons of beer, but nobody yep. even knew it was there. Right. <laughs> you know? so right it, exactly. Well, <laughs> and they didn't. They obviously they didn't really publicize right. that that it was there. It was Boston Beer Co. Um, I I went on a uh, three hour tour of that. Uh, you know, kind of like Gilligan, I guess, um, of that facility and. Man, you know, there were just holes knocked in the walls yeah. like to the next building over and, uh, you know, got to try beer along, you know, a lot of stages of um, 
of of the actual fermentation process and finishing process, and that was kind of kind of neat. Um, and I guess they uh, so they were really good with the with the home brewing uh, scene, especially with uh, their uh, employees. And so they would give their employees a homebrew kit if they so desired it. And That's cool. My, and my buddy got that homebrew kit and didn't end up really wanting to homebrew because he was getting a lot of free Sam right. Adams. Right? <laughs> uh, and so he gave that homebrew kit to me, and eventually the, the, uh, the free Sam Adams uh, dried up. Um, we we my family kind of still blames him to this day like you know yeah your beer is great brian but, but remember when we got that two-day-old boston <laughs> lager and i kind of agree like uh, you know fresh boston lager pre-pasteurized too like like sneak it off the line before uh before it gets pasteurized um you know, that was delicious but uh yeah so i just started home brewing it, it was you know maybe 2005 2006 and it wasn't long before I realized the bottling was for the birds and got my grandma's uh, 40-some-year-old chest freezer and made it into a kegerizer, <laughs> or a keezer, I guess they call it. I always call it a kegerizer. And uh, just kind of went from there, and it, it, it built up to, you know, doing two 10-gallon batches a day. Uh, this was myself and my brother-in-law uh, doing this primarily. And so we would each get, you know, two five-gallon, you know, cornies of... of of different beer, you know, that we were making, um, you know, and it, along the way, you know, I got to, I, I got to know more craft breweries and have, you know, craft, you know, craft beer from all over. And whenever I would go on vacation or, um, you know, visit somewhere, that would be kind of what I was looking to try. Right. You know, you try the, the local stuff. Um, and you know, friends, friends at that point were kind of like, "Oh man, your your beer's so good! Like you should do this for a living." And it's kind of like, you know, yeah, you're getting it for free, motherfucker. Like it, you know, it always like, it always like, tastes good when it's yeah, free. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, like come on, like let's see let's see you pay six dollars a pint for this, and you know, plus plus I wasn't necessarily as um, I didn't really trust, you know, that especially at that point that. Um, you know, that my beer was as good as, you know, they were saying, obviously. So, um, how did that, how did that turn happen for you though, that you started to think, well, maybe. Yeah. So really it came down to, I was working in it, uh, for Citibank and I had six weeks of vacation, um, single income, no kids, you know, so I, I would travel basically. It became a thing to hit all the States mm -hmm. and, uh, mostly it, some of the reason was uh, baseball stadiums because I, I do like uh, baseball a lot. Um, and so along the way, I got to 27 baseball stadiums, 49 states. And, you know, the, it, since, you know, my kind of kind of passion was growing for craft beer, uh, you know, I would try more and more and more and more breweries. And as I was out there, you know, you would you would try some that were misses um, and you try a lot that were hits. And then it's kind of like, OK, well, I make a style like this. How is this kind of, you know, like match up? And yeah, this is pretty good. And then, of course, Untapped came along and, you know, people were, were rating beers. So you had a real easy way. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, Rate Beer and Beer Advocate were, were there beforehand. But, you know, you had to actually, like, really try to. Right. Yeah, there's. Uh, it's that, a little geekier. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and probably more trustworthy, but um, at least at that point. Uh, 
but yeah, so, you know, you'd see something and it'd be, you know, solid rated beer. Like, you know, people liked it and it's like, okay, well, I think my beer is probably about as good as this, you know, maybe better sometimes, maybe a little worse. Um, but then I also started paying a lot more attention. So it, it, it did become like, okay, well, uh, I thought Moostrol was one of the best brown ales. Go ahead. Were you paying attention closer now at this point because you thought maybe you could start going in that direction or was it just from the geeky side of um, making your beer better or trying to it, figure out where you kind of stacked up within all that? It was, it was really from trying to make my beer better and then trying to make a beer that was as good as something that I had. Right. Uh, my uncle lives out in uh, Whitefish, Montana. And so we went down to the, the Great Northern Bar and they served um, moose roll in uh, 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 mason jars, if you can imagine that. Uh, we have mason <laughs> jars in front of us yeah, right now. Uh, they were the actual ball mason jars, whatever. Um, and moose roll, you know, I thought that was a great brown ale, you know, chocolatey, you know, a little bit of, little touch of coffee, whatever. It was darker than most brown ales and, um, you know, certainly darker than, you know, like the Newcastle and stuff that you get. And so I tried to make that. And I thought I did a pretty good job at it. And then I started entering some competitions and I won, you know, homebrew stuff. I won some medals for some things, but I never won for, for, for moose or for my, you know, right. interpretation of moose drill. Um, you know, so, uh, I, I was just basically like, okay, you know, I got to get better. So I, I ended up getting better, uh, just by, uh, just by trying different beer and just trying to like, okay, what, what did they do that, sets that beer why do i like it and it's like okay well there's that little chocolate note in that right. in that brown ale well a lot of brown ales don't have that okay well what can i do what what uh ingredient down at uh at listerman's can i pick out and try to put a little bit of this in you know and sometimes it doesn't work you put way too much of it in <laughs> <laughs> and then you just end up with you know a a, a roasty um like like just an acrid stout you know right. but um, you know, sometimes it works and it's just, you know, a lot of it's trial and error and tasting a lot of drinking of beer. So. <laughs> when does that thought get into your head though, that maybe you can take this to that next level and, and go professional with it and, and start a place? Yeah, really. It doesn't, it doesn't come into my head until maybe <clears throat> I want to say sometime in late 2014, early 2015, uh, went to, uh, a brewery in town uh, with um, my business partner who is uh, somewhere in Grainworks, actually like cutting wood right now. Um, not yeah. the Any of the construction sounds you're going to hear during this podcast, that's Anthony <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> making all those noises. Um, well, better him than me. He's way better <laughs> at that stuff. Uh, no, I just went uh, somewhere with him and I'd gone, you know, he's, he's not quite as, you know, as, as into like the craft beer scene as, you know, as I was certainly, um, or, you know, some of the friends that I normally would drink with. And he was like, man, your stuff is actually way better than this. You know, we should do it. There's nothing in, there's not much in Westchester right now. Um, you know, and even in this area at that point, there really wasn't, you know, you didn't have, you know, even well, yeah, even, Sonder even and, just know, Butler County at the time, there's there was, so many beer drinkers up here and there wasn't like a place yeah. to go and grab a beer. There was nothing. And, you know, we, we were sitting there and he was like, you know, what would be perfect is if there was a building uh, that was in that little postage stamp of industrial right at the top of Cox Road. 
because of course you know they they had done liberty way kind of by then they had they hadn't redone it and of course big liberty center didn't exist but you know you can get industrial space a lot cheaper than commercial right. space and you know so you don't really have to build out you know one of the buildings was there and he sends me a text message the next day and uh it turns out that the building that we're in was for sale at that point and so that kind of really started it's like okay well there's actually a legit you know like you know it it, it was always kind of a pipe dream but really someone else's pipe dream like i didn't really necessarily have a have you know because it, i can make the beer but i don't necessarily have the uh you know some of the financial background for uh you well, know picking up the building there's there's, there's a lot, lot of things there's that a lot goes of other things that go into yeah. running a brewery than just coming in and making great beer right like, there's right. there's a lot more moving pieces to it yeah uh, so you guys get the space you start working on it you somehow manage to take a a warehouse an industrial warehouse and make it feel different than any other warehouse I've ever been in. You take yep. that, uh, you know, that, that grain works soil to soul, you know, the, the ground that I mean, we will get into the story a little bit the, the, the ground that we are standing or sitting on right now was space that was, uh, or in theory, you know, around here, we'll say yes. <laughs> was not was, very far. From um, the, the, the grain was grown here for all of the beer being brewed in Cincinnati in uh, kind of, uh, pre prohibition and, um, that, early era of Cincinnati beer um, to kind of um, bring that back to life a little bit and uh, capture a little bit of the uh, kind of the, we'll say the, the country vibe of some of the people that live around here were looking for that place that was a little laid back but um, still was swanky enough to take your wife here on the date <laughs> yeah instead of just having the, the white box you know yeah. we, we definitely knew that you know with with the median income up here, it's, you know, it's a little different. You have to offer a little bit more. Uh, we didn't necessarily have the, the, uh, the space at that point, um, you know, to put in, you know, the kitchen, right. uh, also really didn't know much about the kitchen, still don't know much about the kitchen world. Um, which is why we're, 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 uh, attempting to, to lease a space out, uh, to someone we're still looking, but, uh, we're, we're working on that space, uh, so that we can actually like lease something out to that. So, you know, that's one of the things that, that was missing. Um, but you know, all in all, I think, you know, the first iteration, um, you know, turned out awfully well. Uh, people walked in and were kind of like, "Oh, hey, this is cool." It's just it, you—you so, you don't expect it when you pull back into an industrial park like this, and you walk in, you're like, "Oh, they did take this seriously." Yeah. <laughs> so for anybody who hasn't seen this space or hasn't been to our website, seen pictures of it or whatever, I, I describe it to people who haven't been here as taking a farm and inverting it. So it's the outside of a farm <laughs> on the inside of a building. That's a good way to put it. When when the lights are turned down to the right level and like you've got the, the, the string lights going across the tap room and it really does feel like you're sitting outside of somebody's barn drinking really great beer in air conditioning. Yes. <laughs> and, and when these guys put this together, they used a bunch of actual barn wood that was reclaimed and other stuff reclaimed from industrial farms and and mm -hmm. and, and personal farms that um, had torn you know barns down torn things down and so much of it I mean almost all of it that you see that has that you know distressed look it was truly distressed it's not from Ikea <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and then so 2020 I guess was when the expansion finally opened up after 
very long time waiting. There were lots of teasers that it was coming, and um, then the wall came down, and the tap room tripled in size. You guys got a little bit of event space. Um, you got this mysterious kitchen that we've been waiting for. Hopefully, we can get somebody in here too. Speaking of kitchen, <laughs> if there's uh, anybody who's interested in uh, coming in as a food vendor and working with us, um, Anthony at grainworks.beer. That is Anthony at grainworks.beer. Write that uh, email address down and get hold of him right away. <laughs> it it changed this tap room a lot. It it opened it up. It's it's interesting that for a lot of years when you saw breweries growing and expanding and kind of figuring out who they were and then kind of directing that down the next path. It was always on this side that you saw that growth happen. And I'm pointing to the brewery for all of you who are not sitting here staring at me. Um, <laughs> you, you saw the growth happen on this side versus taproom side. And in the last couple of years, we've definitely started to realize that this is as important, if not more important than growing on this side. You, yeah, get, you get people to sit here and have a beer and it's... Uh, um, probably a little more, uh, probably better for you. <laughs> yes, yes. And, and a little less stressful than trying it to. It is. I mean, it, it was always a plan to move in. So Anthony and his wife actually bought the building. Um, and so Grainworks, uh, a lease it uh, from, from them. Um, so, you know, for a little while uh, after, after the tenant that was in that front half uh, moved out, we had a sweetheart deal for a lease for a long time. Uh, just to kind of hold the space, mm-hmm. um, you know, as we did better and better. And we would do, you know, small, uh, small projects over there. Anthony uh, did, did a lot of those. Um, and then, uh, you know, so we, we had that, that plan to do it. We were on the cusp. They were working on uh, Anthony and Stephen, the third owner, who, is, who, has all the, uh, who has most of the construction knowledge. Um, so like the patio that you see uh, that, that was out front, that was all three of us. And by all three of us, I mean Stephen and Anthony did all the work, and I you know, handed them tools. <laughs> Brought them cold beers. I, yeah, I, had them, I handed them tools. Yeah, right, right, right. So Stephen has the construction background. Um, Anthony is as handy of a person as, as you'll ever meet. So it was really quick for him to pick up you know, how, to, how to do the concrete and stuff that Stephen's been doing for you know 20 years of his life um the addition of the of the grain room and the in the cold storage um you know the th- again the three of us put that on like you know we didn't hire that out um you know the tables uh, half the tables that are in here the big stone tables that were that were out now we poured the concrete to do those right so it was always in our skill set or always in our mind to expand to the other half um and then always in our skill set their skill set really uh to you know, kind of build that out uh, themselves rather than, again, having to spend a, a right. ton of money, you know, to do this. Um, it, it completely blows me away. The Seriously, Anthony and Stephen both, the, the things they can do in such short order. I, I'm a slightly handy person, but more on the like electrical side or, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a little bit of plumbing, but not not with wood. I mean, just, you know, I'm not a good carpenter. And no matter what it is, carpentry, masonry, whatever, you know, we'll come and say, hey, what if we did this? And we'll come in the next morning. And I'm like, did you guys spend all night? I mean, like, oh, my God, this looks perfect. And no, no, we were just here for like two hours after work. And they whip something together. And like, are you serious? I would have spent like a weekend planning it. And then another weekend screwing it up and another weekend actually making it work after I got someone in here to help me fix it. 
and they'll do it and whip it out in two hours. It's amazing. <laughs> it's a, I feel like there's, um, it's a lost skill set with people nowadays. You don't meet a lot of people that are able to do stuff like that. Like it's a, a generational change over time that, uh, each generation just gets worse and worse and worse <laughs> and things like that. And eventually nobody's going to be able to do anything. <laughs> I can definitely attest to that being a millennial over here. Definitely well, I, not happening. You know, I, 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 I come from family who was always into woodworking and stuff like that and like I'll have like these ideas I'm like honey I'm gonna do this I'm gonna I'm gonna build this for us this weekend and I'll spend all weekend working on something you get done and you step back and it's like oh man that does that's not at all what it's supposed to look like <laughs> it's all like crooked and like something falling off of it I'm like oh it's like the carpentry version of nailed it yeah, you know, all, the, yeah exactly. all the cakes I was gonna <laughs> yeah. say I'm having wood shop flashbacks type <laughs> situation <laughs> um, so you guys finally get all of this to kind of come together. Then if you remember what I said, it was 2020 when it opened up, you know what happened in 2020. We don't need to go through the whole story of, of the world and, uh, and, and the last year and what it's looked like. Hopefully we are kind of coming out of that. We're on our way out of it, uh, depending on, um, who you listen to. And, uh, uh, hopefully this place will finally uh, fill up. We'll get some food in here. We'll get some people in here to enjoy the food. <laughs> One of the beautiful things was, you know, we, we had, you know, spacing restrictions. And so we actually had to move some of the tables here out to the patio and to spread this place out during 2020. And then we open up this whole new space and we can bring everything in. And we didn't add any extra tables, but we could fully fill up the space, right. you know, but because everything's spread out because of the new space. And now that we're past those spacing restrictions, we can fill in and we have you yeah. know room to do more. It's, we, it's wonderful. We've heard about a lot of, of, especially restaurants, smaller restaurants around town that when some of those spacing restrictions came in and they're like, all right, well, if we abide by these rules, we can fit nine people in here to eat. Yep. Like, how are we supposed to stay open with nine people <laughs> that can eat right. here? It's, um, it, it, had we not already started uh, the expansion before the restrictions happened in March. I mean, this these guys had already started this stuff in, in January, and a lot of the money was already spent, and it was like, well, we just got to do it. Right. They probably would have backed off and said, oh, let's wait to see what 2020 does. And it turned out that it worked out perfect for us because by the time we got into the thick of it and we opened the new expansion for our third anniversary, we could really fill this place up but remain socially distant right. and keep all those regulations all the yep. way through the end of the year. It was great. So talk a little bit about, uh, you guys do distribute beer, um, more so now than, than ever before. From what I can tell, it's getting a lot easier to get your beer when you're out and about. Um, talk about that balance of getting beer out there for people, um, in, in the market and in restaurants and bars and, uh, stores versus here in the tap room and kind of how, how you balance those two things from, um, a business side of things and just as a, uh, I, I don't know the word balance is the right word. I think it might be a tug of war because there's always a little tug of war between Brian and I as <laughs> how much of that product I get right. and how much he wants to hold for the tap room, you know, and, 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 but I mean, from a business standpoint, I mean, I, I'm, I joke, but from a business standpoint, you have to make sure of that, but we are always off and I'm like, how much of that new thing am I going to get? <laughs> well, and at some point too, if you come in here and, if you come in here and there are 14 beers on tap instead of 16 beers on tap, I mean, you're going to still have, you know, some great beers to, to choose from. Right. At least I, I think you will. But that usually um, tends to be our fault. 
sales. Yeah. Yeah. Sales. Sales. Fault. Sales. sales fault. All of our fault for drinking it is really what well. Well, yes, but sales <laughs> well, fault for it, taking it, too much of his. Or it made sense to, you know, it made sense to to send an extra keg out on a Thursday when I have, uh, you know, a new batch sitting in there that is not ready, but it'll be ready on Saturday, right? right? So, you know, maybe I'm out on a Friday night, but, you know, I have it back on Saturday. But, yeah, it's, it is a balanced tug of war or whatever, but, yeah. Was it a tough decision to start distributing beer out there, or was it one of those things that you're like, this is the way you have to do it well, to, to let people know that you're here? <laughs> yes. <laughs> So way back in the very beginning, we really did not, I did not personally as a first time, uh, you know, pro brewer, right? Um, it's much easier if I screwed something up to just take it off tap here in the tap room. And like, you know, I was, I was not really ready for my, until I had actually made it right. And had tried it and it's fine. And you know, nothing, nothing really went wrong. It's like, okay, great. Um, I had not really wanted to, you know, push the outside sales. And so because of that, we probably stupidly didn't hire any kind of, uh, sales team, uh, initially we had, um, we had some, um, some of our friends, they had pull at, not pull, but you know, just they were regulars at certain places and they were like, oh yeah, you know, like they're at Grainworks, blah, blah, blah. It's great, you know. And so we actually had a number of, of requests before we were technically out on the sales path. Right. And so we just kind of cobbled that together as we could. So that, you know, that was probably one of the, one of the main mistakes, um, you know, and then we, we did, you know, hire some folks in as, as sales team and, uh, you know, it went, went well, went bad, went well, went bad. You know, it's, it, it's just one of those things. It is a, an industry with, uh, with, with some turnover. Um, you know, so we weren't, we weren't necessarily in the position to have a ton of, um, uh, and we then say March backup? 2019, uh, all your prayers were answered. <laughs> God. Oh no. <laughs> I knew this was coming. <laughs> Uh, that would be when uh, Mr. James here uh, uh, signed on with us. And yeah, he's, he's, uh, uh, I hate to actually admit this, especially in public. Uh, no one listens to this thing. Right? Yeah. 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 I hate to, uh, I hate to admit, but uh, no, I'm just kidding. He's, uh, he's done a fantastic job for us all around um, during the actual shutdown. Um, you know, we really only had three full-time employees. Uh, it was uh, myself, James, and, um, you know, the, the other business partner, Stephen, and because of Stephen's ability in the, you know, the construction and remodeling world, like it seemed like everyone was, was trying to remodel their house while they right. were there. Right. You know, that, that kind of thing. So, um, he just basically kind of like, was like, okay, well, I don't need to take any money from Greenworks. I'll go ahead and, you know, just do this and, you know, help, you know, as I can, uh, that kind of stuff. So it was, so it was it, just the two of it us was really, the two <laughs> and of we us. went and we spent every day way more time together than yeah. I think either of us ever imagined we yeah. ever would yeah. in this entire future career ever. Yeah, so. And amazingly, we survived. It didn't kill each other. <laughs> no, we, we, yeah. we actually had a really good time because we were both in crisis management mode the whole time. And the fact that what we were doing was working, pivoting to doing home delivery, um, pivoting to really jazzing up how we could do carry out so it's super easy and people felt comfortable in here and they were distance and all that. And we and it was working. And well, I think it's important or was important during all of that to have something that you could really kind of 
focus yourself onto something that you can see is, is working yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Then to focus your attention. It's the, the folks that were just kind of sitting at home, you know, either got laid off and were just doing nothing, just sitting there staring at the wall. When is this going to end? When is this going to end? I think those are the people that had a, a really rough time with it. You know, the people that were Definitely. able to kind of focus on something and be like, all right, here's, here's what I need to do today. Here's how I keep moving this forward. And I, you can see that it's actually doing something. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and because it was working, I and mean, if it wasn't working, I think we probably would have really clawed each other's eyes out or something. But um, we were getting along great, be- and, and we were doing well, and, and we were not, I mean, we were stressing, but we were not freaking out right. because it was working. And yeah, I mean, I think I worked more hours per week than I ever have in my entire life in any career that I've been in, and I've had a few different careers. But... At no point in time did I say, oh my God, this sucks because it was working and I felt like we were saving this place. I felt like there was a light at the end of the tunnel as long as, you know, public health got better, as long as, you know, vaccine, et cetera, that if we could just survive this, you know, and we came out better for it. Right. Um, and I mean, I know it, it's interesting because I, I often think, I think Brian and my working relationship really has been better since then because we really got a good sense of how to work together well. Yep. I mean, we still, you know, butt heads, but we have we actually have fun when we butt heads. It, it, now, as opposed to, you know, it might have not gone that way because during <laughs> that time we were, I mean, we didn't know what was going to work, so we right. were button heads just right. trying to figure it and out. Prior to that, you reported to Stephen, and, you know, not that we weren't talking, obviously, because, you know, inventory-wise, you know, every every week, but you were reporting to Stephen, so then you you ended up reporting to me, and, you know, we, we, we got a, it was, it's it's been a great relationship. It's, yeah. yeah, it's been good, and, and um, I think, could you actually, Katie, tell us, this is one thing I love to talk about from 2020, yeah. remember the, right when you came on, you showed me a text... Yeah, I did. Or actually this spring, you showed yeah, me. Yeah, it was, it was from, uh, I believe, June or July of, of 2020. Um, I, I had not joined the Greenworks team yet, but um, James and Brian were obviously doing those home deliveries, really making a change. And uh, I had a friend from high school put a post on Facebook just absolutely glowing about Greenworks. And like I said, I hadn't joined the team yet, so it was one of those that I went through it and I read it, and it was, you know... James was making these home deliveries and, and she put a post, she goes, I never felt like I was such a part of a community and assisting a small business. Um, cause that's what Greenworks was at the time with COVID. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I never felt like I was assisting a small business any more than I was, um, when, uh, brother James showed up and made a delivery, uh, of, of the beer that I had ordered and, and had a great conversation. Just thank me genuinely from himself and from the brewery for buying local. Right. Um, and she actually, the reason James brought it up is, uh, earlier this summer, she reposted as a friendly reminder to shop local. Um, and I think that's an excellent point, no matter where you are in the Cincinnati area. Um, you know, especially since we're still coming out of COVID, but still dealing with little bits and pieces of it, you know, supporting local breweries is, is crucial. Yeah. It, during all of that, like I can, I can speak to that too, of like how, um, not even just like how, how it felt supporting local businesses, but that connection that you had with businesses, you know, when you're, you're stuck at home and you've got, you know, small children who may or may not be terrorists, um, just running your life and, <laughs> and you know, you, you can't go anywhere. You can't leave. You're stuck. 
and then you know you get that that little moment where somebody pulls up in your driveway to drop off beer and you know they're they drop it off in your porch and they're standing you know 20 feet back and you know hey you yeah know, how are you guys doing yeah you know, your that, emotional support that, team yeah, that little, and it's somebody just dropping off beer at your house but that little connection or when you stop in and pick up a growler from somewhere or you know like you, you get those little moments in the middle of that and that it's connected me in like a deeper level with a lot of places yeah, that we I were, didn't have before. We were open every day. Uh, so we, we opened that Monday. We, it, at that point we were open maybe Tuesday through Sunday. Um, so we decided to open on Monday and just be open Monday through Sunday. And so all the, all day, all the days, except for three of those, I was behind the bar. Um, you know, so I got to see and got to talk to a bunch of our regulars mm-hmm. that came in and people that even weren't regulars, but you know, they saw that we were still, you know, we, that we were open there, like, well, instead of, you know, Kroger's, we're going to come right. here and, you know, support. And, you know, that just kind of, it was, it was a little mind bending for me. Uh, not that I hadn't, you know, worked, you know, a few bartending shifts and, you know, hadn't really hobnobbed and, and, and certainly had done a lot of that, but, you know, just, just talking to those people and those people being like, Hey, thank you for being open too. Right. Like, like there's somewhere to actually go. And when we were able to actually open again on the patio, you know, we, we, we basically have done, you know, um, we, we opened as soon as, you know, they, they allowed us, but of course we had, you know, all the precautions in right. place or a little bit more than, 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 you know, we were, we were asked to, we just tried to do that. Um, just tried to make it, you know, good for people to come and, and, and people have, have certainly, um, you know, respected that. And it, it, it is, it just blows my mind a little bit, you know, the support that you get during that time. And it, it's fantastic. Well, I mean, I can tell you that when, when things did start opening up, like I felt safer going and sitting at a brewery on the patio or even, you know, at a table inside in the corner. Um, I felt safer doing that than I did going to the grocery store or g- going to work or, you know, <laughs> shout out to my work. But um, <laughs> you know, I, I, I felt so much better going to these places where you could see them taking the extra step or you already know that they know how to sanitize a surface. Yeah. You know? yeah. Well, and, and one of the funny things is as a salesperson who spends all uh, I spend all my time in the field and I'm very rarely in the tap room. Um, Katie and I are in the tap room on Fridays when we have our sales meeting and we're interfacing with the, you know, Brian and the rest of the team and, and kind of coordinating if, if we have to deal with any internal events or we need to deal with external events. Most of the time we're in the field though. So we don't get to see these regulars. We don't have that connection to the tap room that a lot of people do. In fact, I'm in the field a lot where people say, you know, Oh, so w- tell me about this, about the tap room. And I'm like, can you look at our website? Cause I don't, you know, right. just it, cause things change so much, you know, in the tap room. And, and I, 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 I always say the wrong stuff, you know, and I'd rather just have them go and get the right stuff off the Facebook or whatever, but being out there and delivering. And then like that person, I, I don't remember that specific person. Even when I saw the post later, it did, I didn't recognize that, but it was, she said something really nice. She said, I could see him smiling from behind his mask. Cause I was elated and also I was isolated right. um, from all these people, from anyone. And, and like even that little bit of contact for me as well felt really good. And I'm an extrovert. So it was kind of hell to be isolated. <laughs> Couldn't tell. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and just even that little bit of contact with here's your beer. Yeah. You know, I set it on the porch, ring the bell, step back. 
like 10 feet and um you know hey here you go thanks a lot thanks for helping keep the lights on and people were excited and i was excited and it was infectious and then i ended up starting to have what i called my regulars Mm -hmm. the people who were very regular with ordering and and i even pushed brian probably an extra two weeks where we probably could have cut it off but people off yeah well we were we were well we we just started cutting days down because we were doing like three days a week and then we cut it down to two and a half and then two and then it was one and a half and then one and then but i wanted to keep that one i think we just did saturdays or maybe fridays for like an extra two weeks because there was a few folks that i could tell they didn't want to go anywhere Mm -hmm. and we were somewhat of a lifeline and until we got to the point where we really couldn't even fill up a whole day then we were like okay we got to cut this because i have other things i can be doing i can you know and then places are opening up and i can actually go back and sell to bars and restaurants right but i really wanted to help some of those folks because there was a lot of people who told me you know we have immunocompromised people in the family i'm immunocompromised so it was very nice to be that lifeline for them and and get them something they really wanted you know and um it you know, most of them were able to transition, you know, to just coming in and getting carry out. Uh, we added curbside delivery, which we actually still have. Um, and so that was great, you know, to have all that available. But it was kind of neat to have some regulars, you know. And I, one of the things I'm kind of sad is because I had to kick right back into sales mode and be out there that I didn't get to, you know, be back in the tap room as a bartender, maybe, or just here as a tap room manager and see these people start right. coming back in. You know, I've seen a few of those people every now and then. They're like, oh, my God, you're that delivery guy. And I'm like, and it feels really nice. It really does. It does. Like it just, like I said, it just it connected me so much deeper with places and with the relationship that we have with tap rooms as part of the community, not just this place you go to to grab a beer. Um, as we are coming out of COVID or on our way out of COVID, um, you guys have anniversary coming up. How does that change kind of what that means as, as a business? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's pretty cool. So we, we opened uh, the, the expansion um, about a month before our anniversary last year. So right. it's uh, the weekend after Labor Day um, each year so far is, has been our uh, anniversary. I think we'll, we'll stay there. Um, For everyone who's following along with their calendar out and want to mark it down, it is uh, September 10th through the 12th this year. Perfect. Yeah. So, so last year we were able to have the the expansion done. Um, you know, we we have a an outdoor uh, space. We had al- always done our anniversary, or at least tried to do it. The, the one year we got the monsoon, uh, so we really couldn't do it outside. Um, but in our employee parking lot, we put up a big stage and have bands, you know, out there. So a lot of the the entertainment was outside. Um, of course, we were allowed to have. Um, you know, people or tables, you know, six feet apart right. and all that, you know, inside as well. Um, but we had expanded, so we had plenty of room. And when you come in, you know, 16 foot ceilings, you look around, the tables are spaced. Everybody, you know, we had giant bright yellow signs that said, wear your effing mask, basically. I mean, it, it didn't say that, but <laughs> bright yellow and red signs like that, you know, were, and we kicked a few people out that, you know, didn't comply. Um, but, you know, it was, I think it was nice to see that the, like, the folks around here came out and they supported. And I think part of that had to do with the timing um, because there were no live shows or very few, you know, like bars would have, we, we had some people, um, you know, play our patio, like solo and duo, you know, uh, music artists. Right. Um, and inside as well, once we had, you know, kind of the, the space for it. Um, so we we did have that um and you know the fact that we had multiple bands i mean you know 
none of them had, you know, it, it, there just really wasn't, there weren't too many places to go right. and catch that, you know, kind of live music thing. So I think it was, I think it worked out uh, very well, you know, in all respects. And then because so many people came out and they saw, um, you know, what we had done and what we were doing that bled over, um, into right. the next months and, you know, everything like that. So, you know, people knew that they could come in here and that it was, you know, safe or, you know, safer than, you know, uh, some places or, or <laughs> as safe as, you know, we could be, right. you know, that kind of thing. So, I mean, I was very um, pleased. There was a lot of positive stuff online. And in fact, one of the owners of another brewery had posted, Oh my God, you guys, if so, if you were going to do an event at this point in time, you guys did it the best way possible. You know, you really spread everyone out. It was, you know, it was done well. And then the other thing is we were pulling some tables and chairs from inside out to that outer thing, as well as some extra ones we rent, rented. So that spread it out even more. Right. So, and then we had the party rooms that wouldn't be normally used were spread into those spaces. So we were able to completely spread out and yet still have a crowd Maybe not as much as the year before, but close to it, and because everything was spread out over the inside, the expanded inside, right, the patio, and now the back, and then we even expanded the area in the back and stretched that out. So you know, yeah. So so this year, you know, we're doing a lot of the same that we did last year and the year before. I mean, it's 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 a pretty good uh, it's a pretty good system for us. Um, you know, there have been some uh, some law changes as far as you know allowing um more of your outdoor space uh, right. to be you know you can actually drink in that so like front lawn or you know parking lot you know so it, like not that we're not that we didn't have the ability to do uh that legally uh before but you know now it's the entirety of that space so we can plan uh you know to have even more you know outside room uh for that and you know hopefully put on a, a little bigger show we've we've got a couple uh couple bands on saturday instead of just the the typical you know uh solo act and you know band that's what the the music side of of the world i think people didn't realize that or that didn't be, you didn't even think about yeah. you know how how much of a hit they took over the last you know year and a half because they, there was nowhere to play. <laughs> if you're a musician and you can't play, suddenly you're not a musician anymore. <laughs> you're, yeah. you're doing yeah. something else to try to make money. And we, and we jumped on that, you know, pretty quick with some of our regular, you know, folks that would be in here solo anyways, because again, you know, it, like right after we were allowed to, to, to reopen, we didn't have the expansion done. Right. Um, so we would use uh, part of the production space for, um, you know, the, the artists to play there. So we, you know, we, we started doing that on Friday and Saturday nights and it was a big hit. And, the, you know, the, the, we, we loved having our, having our friends back, you know, uh, playing for us, but they also loved, you know, coming out, you know, they were, they were happy and, you know, they, they weren't getting too many gigs at that point. So it was, it was nice. It was nice to have them here. So. I can't wait to see how, how, how people react to it this year. There are still so many people that haven't been out to see live music or to be in an event like that that are you know hopefully vaccinated at this point a little more comfortable at getting out into the world and um getting out <laughs> yeah right <laughs> so right. I, i'm excited to see um how people start uh, getting back out there what's next for grainworks where do you guys go from here what is what is the next page in the grainworks uh storybook well i, I mean well, I was going to say, I, I'd actually like Katie to tell us about like where we're, we're on this cusp right now on the external side. Oh. <laughs> um, 
where we're you know in this mode where things are going so well this year for external sales has been the best ever right um and every month has been better than the next um and it's just been wonderful so uh (laughs) Uh, uh, you know, so she, she takes care of our Southern territory, but things are moving around. We just had a number of things happen. So tell us Uh, about that. Sure. So, um, yeah, I've, I've been covering the Southern territory and things have been booming down there, which is fantastic. We've been a part of a couple major events recently, including, um, summer beer fest. And we were the featured beer at Finley market in July and really starting to get, uh, quite a bit of hype. Uh, down in the southern area, I'm getting a lot more uh, emails and phone calls from people saying, hey, I heard about Grainworks. Can we get some in here? And things like that. So that's been fantastic. But the thing I'm most excited about, in addition to just growing the southern territory with James um, uh, covering the the northern in Dayton, is that we are adding to our sales team. Um, so I'm very, very excited that we are having uh, in addition to take over the Dayton area uh, in two weeks. Yeah, no, next next, next Monday. Week, next yep. week. Um, I'm losing track of time. It all blends <laughs> together. It's it's absolutely crazy. Um, but we're we're really excited for him to join the team and really see expansion, not just in the Cincinnati area, but all the way up through through Dayton. I, I love it. So I, in the last, I haven't talked about it a whole lot, especially on this show. I'm starting to write a little bit about Dayton on the blog because we're starting to hit that point where I feel like that crossover is happening more and more and more, especially the news, you know, this week of, or last week when you're listening to this, I guess, when that, that warp wing is coming into Mason. We're, um, we're very excited to have them as neighbors. Cemented in as part of a, officially part of the Cincinnati beer scene now. Well, we, we really dig their beer and they like ours. We, we are often guest taps at both of their locations and we, we do really well there. So they're, they're, they're fans like us. And, you know, so it's nice to have them coming as neighbors. I think it's going to be fun i i I can't i love i want to see more dayton beer coming into cincinnati i want to see more cincinnati beer coming to dayton Uh, at this point i think of dayton as a cincinnati neighborhood and uh well well, the thing that they all love that the thing thing that i realized very early (laughs) the thing i realized very early um when i came on here because i had been working for fatheads previously and i had done uh worked with a lot of dayton uh accounts and what i realized was that we are exactly 30 minutes from downtown Dayton and downtown Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. So as far as I'm concerned, we're local to both neighborhoods. I mean, we're, I mean, both cities, we're a local and, and you know, we're not just a Cincinnati brewery coming to Dayton. You know, we, we are local to Dayton, you know, as much as, you know, anybody on the outskirts, uh, you know, of, of the Dayton breweries that are more in, in the suburbs and the outskirts, we're, you know, we're kind of a suburb to both places. Right. Because it's literally thirty minutes both ways, um, and so that's really nice. And um, you know, it's uh, it, it it's just a. It, I just am so excited that we're coming out of twenty twenty and into twenty twenty one doing so well, continuing to expand, and it's and it's going so well. We got into October Fest Cincinnati for the first time, so we'll be down there. Um, so come visit us at the booth yeah, on that come weekend. See all of the sales team <laughs> and our fun get-ups. Uh, and and you know, and speaking of Dayton, if you know if you're going to be spending more time up there, there are so many great breweries up there. I've I I often like to take a Dayton day on a weekend and just you know hit places that I haven't seen because I've been to all the breweries in Cincinnati and they're all good, but it's always nice to check out something right. new. And there's so many new ones popping up and places I just haven't been because of geography and. 
and and the unfortunate thing is I get in these loops where we say, oh, we're going to do a Dayton day, and we don't end up going anywhere new because there's like places I haven't been to. Well, that's the thing. If you for a while, if you don't get somewhere in you know six months, we'll say you go back somewhere after not being there for six months. It's a whole new experience. There's so much that's changing. There's obviously new beer that's a, that's that's being put on. There's it's just a, everything changes so rapidly that you can go to the same place over and over and get stuck in that loop. Exactly. Like it's, it's yeah. Still the, new to me. <laughs> there's so many good ones I want to keep going back to. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, I'm I'm excited to see how you guys keep growing in this ever-changing world of craft beer. It is a, you know, you look at what things looked like when you guys opened your doors four years ago and what it looks like today, and the world just keeps changing rapidly, and it's it's been fun watching how you guys have managed to change with it and uh, adapt and grow with craft beer in Cincinnati and um, certainly the area seems to uh, to love you guys <laughs> and uh, it grows around you guys too which is fun to watch and um, What's there growth stuff? I'm looking forward to seeing what we what we come up with and what everyone what the craft beer community comes up with uh, going forward so sometimes there's some people out there that I don't really care what they come up with next they've they're doing some weird stuff <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, should, I'm, we, should we talk about seltzer? I'm, I'm friends with I'm friends with everyone. Yeah. Should I say? Should I go on record and say we won't do a seltzer? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'm joking, everybody. Your seltzer's fine. Yeah. It's okay. Don't it's, leave. It's, 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 do what you got to do. Dude, that red cream soda, man. That's, that's fantastic. Is, is that even seltzer though? Where uh, Where is the line? It's fantastic. Whatever it's so it is. So good. Yeah. However, see, I'm going to jump in and say, well, we have our lovely uh, cherry pineapple tart Berliner Weiss which we're not going to say what the calorie count is, but it's, you know, it's, it's in the realm. It's probably lower than red cream soda seltzer. I can get. Unfortunately, it's not gluten-free, though. So, but, but it's in the realm, so if you're looking for something that had a lot more flavor than a seltzer, that's all I'm saying. Yeah, not biased at all there, James. There is, there is a ton of... I said really, a disclaimer. There's a ton of really fun stuff happening all around right now in craft beer, and whatever it is that you desire as a drinker there is something out there that will make you happy and that i'm okay with even if i um give give some shit to those of you guys that are making seltzer <laughs> pastry seltzers next <laughs> actually that's old no wait i actually had plenty. i showed you that one I've, oh i've had plenty man I, I have why one. haven't you guys shared this with me oh i had that i went down to Asheville in October uh, of last year and had that dissolver. It was a turbo water or hoof hearted, I guess, uh, collab. It was called, uh, what was it? It was a pastry peach, uh, you know, seltzer. Or, no, it was a peach marsh, marshmallow seltzer. That's what oh, it was. Dear God. And it was called macaroni in a pot. No, it wasn't. Cool. I didn't get it, but I had an order from a buddy who got it okay. uh, that, uh, that, that uh, ordered a case. From it it was, sounds like Peach yeah. Peeps. It wasn't, I'm, it wasn't I'm intrigued. My thing. <laughs> well, and I've even seen um, uh, seltzers that are like smoothie seltzers that oh, are like yeah. super yeah. thick. Oh, and I'm yeah. like, but but doesn't that like not become a seltzer at that yeah. point? Because I, well, uh, Yeah. I, th- you got to ask why people are drinking seltzers and why people are drinking those seltzers. <laughs> it's, the whole thing confuses me. There's a lot that confuses me about craft beer. So as somebody who's incredibly opinionated about beers and who came really? to this brewery, um, 
because I fell in love with one of their beers. I was working for another company and I didn't leave them. My contract was ending with Fatheads. And so I was looking for my next thing. I was finishing brewing school and I was trying to figure out where I was going next. And I came in here on a trivia night. Uh, we have a great music trivia night on, on uh, Thursdays that just packs the house. And um, it was a super fun time. I had never been here before. And I fell in love with the Rusty Bumper, which is our brown ale. And I said, okay, look, if they can nail this, I, I had to taste everything. And I was there all night because we went through all the beers. And I ended up crashing at my friends who live like five minutes away in Westchester, somebody I went to school with at Cincinnati State, because I went through all the beers. And when <laughs> I, I had to taste everything, and there wasn't a beer that I didn't like. And I said, man, I really love what they're doing. I got to get to know these guys. And I reached out. I got to know Steven. And we just kind of talked and talked. And then... Then I saw that they were uh, hiring, so then I kept bugging him, and, and then you know I got, I got the interview, and then they kind of delayed and delayed because of internal things that they were trying to work out on hiring, and I just was bugging Steven over and over, okay, when are you going to hire me? When are you going to hire me? Because I really wanted to be part of this because of the beer. I mean, I, over the years, I've d done different sales jobs, and the best ones, the ones that I knew I really wanted to stake my, my career on were the things that I appreciated and I loved, right. you know, and I wanted to rep something I believed in. And so I just absolutely love the beer here. I mean, I'm just, I'm so, you know, and I may sound biased, but I liked it before I started here and that's why I wanted to be here. But the one praise I wanted to give Brian, as we're talking about these weird beers and seltzers and all that, we'll, <laughs> we'll sometimes push the envelope and do some interesting things, but we don't get to a point where you still don't know there's a beer there. That's true. You know, we do, we have the what's in the middle, which is our uh, cookies and cream milk, uh, stout that's coming out for our anniversary. Right. Um, we've got. Um, I, I made a special trip out here on the St. Patrick's Day one time to get a, a green glitter beer. <laughs> oh, which that's by right. the time you I got here, it. didn't have glitter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because it all it all drops at the bottom, and the first three people get it, and that's it. Either that, or we had uh, we had run out of that keg. It's and I wasn't going to do too. any more than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we were also worried about ruining lines and. Yeah, that um, and in, then, in so, hindsight, that was yeah. not my. Uh, what? No more sparkly beers. I still uh. love. I love the fun side of craft beer as much as I. Yeah. I well, act in the, like I don't. In the spring, we did a lime coconut donut goza oh beer, God, was so which good. was a collaboration with Holtman's, but it was still a goza. I mean, you still knew you had a beer there, and it didn't overpower you. And there's just so many beers that I'm like. Am I really still drinking a beer here? Right. It's just a confection at this point. Same thing with Orange Dreams, though. Orange Dreams came out incredibly well. I mean, it's it's our Belgian white ale, um, but we we added, uh, or Brian added rather, uh, lactose and vanilla and a little bit more orange to it, and it it tastes like a creamsicle, but it it's that still it still has a, that beer to yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's still that Belgian white, but it's reminiscent. It's like the adult. That's how I tell. Uh, some of my clients and customers and stuff, uh, you know, it's as if you were going to have the adult version of a creamsicle. It's not going to have all that super, super sweetness necessarily. Right. I love what you guys are doing. I think it's, I think it's fantastic. I'm glad that you guys are up here in Butler County, close to, to me where it's easy to get to and, uh, you know, brings, brings that little bit of, of craft beer 
outside of you know the downtown Cincinnati. Um, you're 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 very very perfect addition to this area. <laughs> hey, thanks, man. Um, if you guys haven't been out here, come out here. Come come drink the beer. Uh, if you want to know more, go to the website or, or social media is always fun too. Um, but grainworks.beer, you can get all you need to know there. Um, I'm a big fan of of the social medias though, so follow them on all of that stuff. I'll put some links in the show notes. Those you'll be able to get to easy. Um, the picture you'll have to click on things. I think I'll figure it out. I'm gonna figure that out. I'm gonna rack my brain trying to figure out the best way to display a picture <laughs> in a podcast feed um thank you guys thank you and thank you guys for listening everybody that uh, that hung out with us we'll be back next week hopefully um this show is uh dropping while i'm on vacation so i'm probably actually right now i'm probably in the car with my two children so wish me luck uh, cheers and good luck there'll be a show next week <laughs> Sensi Brewcast, the voice of Sensi Craft. <laughs> <laughs>